The first time I met a terrorist, I did so reluctantly. My father had been hit by an IRA bullet in an ambush in 1940, and my eldest brother was on an IRA death list for eight years while he worked for Margaret Thatcher. When I met Jerry Adams and Martin McGuinness in 1997, I declined to shake their hands, a petty gesture I now regret, but interestingly one that recurs again and again in the stories in this book. Tony Blair was more sensible and shook hands normally as if he were meeting any other human being. Immediately after the meeting we went on a walkabout in a shopping centre in Protestant East Belfast. It started off calmly enough, but after a few moments we were mobbed by a crowd of old ladies waving their fists and who then started throwing rubber gloves at Tony. He was puzzled and asked me what it was about, half wondering if it was a protest about washing up. I had to explain they were suggesting he should have worn gloves if he was going to shake hands with murderers. My experiences have, however, changed my mind and convinced me that talking is the right thing to do. A few days after the meeting, I got a call from Martin McGuinness asking me to come and meet him in Derry incognito. He asked me not to tell the securocrats and to come alone. I flew to Allgrove, took a taxi to Derry and stood on a street corner feeling mildly foolish. After ten minutes or so, two men with shaved heads approached me saying, Martin sent us, and pushed me into the back of a taxi. They drove me round in circles for an hour until I was completely lost, and then ejected me when we arrived in front of a neat modern house on a small estate. I knocked on the door and Martin McGuinness opened it on crutches, making a not very funny joke about kneecapping, the IRA's favourite method of punishment. I spent three hours with him in front of an open fire with tea and sandwiches left by the considerate owner of the house. We didn't make any breakthroughs, but it set a pattern, and I spent a good part of the next ten years flying across the Irish Sea to meet Adams and McGuinness in safe houses in West Belfast, Derry and Dublin, going on to their turf rather than demanding they come to grand government buildings. These encounters weren't really dangerous. In fact, the only time I was under any threat was once on the Falls Road, hanging around on the street waiting for a Sinn Féin office to open. Republican leaders worried we might become targets for dissident Republicans and made sure it didn't happen again. But it was the shared risks that helped establish a relationship of trust where progress could be made. Something that holds true of most of the stories in this book. The Northern Ireland negotiations were the most frustrating and most difficult challenge I faced in my life, but also, at least in retrospect, my most important and most satisfying achievement. Since leaving government, I have continued working to try to end conflicts between governments and armed groups, first with the Geneva-based Centre for Humanitarian Dialogue, also known as the Henri Dunant Centre, HDC, and later founding Intermediate, a London-based NGO which aims to open up contacts between governments and armed groups where they do not exist and, where possible, to turn those contacts and channels into negotiations. My experience in Northern Ireland convinced me that no conflict, however bloody, ancient or difficult, is insoluble. With attention, patience and above all political leadership, they can be solved, even if previous attempts at making peace have failed repeatedly. In her wreath lectures, Eliza Manningham-Buller said some of the lessons we learned from Northern Ireland are relevant to thinking about the very different threat from Al-Qaeda. One is the belief that the divisions in Northern Ireland society, manifested in terrorism, could not be solved militarily. Nor could intelligence and police work, however successful in preventing attacks and informing government, resolve those divisions, although that work could buy time for a political process. 
Intelligence was critical in helping ministers manage that process, the aim of which was to reach long-term political resolutions with those who had prosecuted the terrorist campaign. These lessons apply elsewhere as well. I am not suggesting that there is a Northern Ireland model that can be deployed elsewhere unaltered. That would be ludicrous. Each conflict has different causes and will have different solutions. But it would equally be nonsense to suggest that none of the lessons we learned in the negotiations in Northern Ireland from our successes and our failures could be applied elsewhere. If people are going to make mistakes negotiating with terrorists, they should at least make their own new mistakes rather than repeating those already made by others. I was curious to know which of the lessons we learned in Northern Ireland had also applied in peacemaking efforts elsewhere in the world. I am a practitioner, not a theorist or academic, and while there are plenty of books on the theory of negotiation and even more...